welcome to I Am My Passion Project, a companion of my digital magazine, Badass Silver Streak. I'm Lorna Nickel. I'm an artist, writer, graphic designer, thinker, a renaissance woman, if you will. This podcast is a way for me to give a voice to women over 50, like myself, a platform to discuss sexism, health and wellness, redefining beauty, and healing from betrayal trauma. Without further ado, let's dig in together and figure out ways to resist societal expectations while reimagining a world where mature women are made visible and empowered to become their own passion projects. Let's do this. Dr. Maria Christina is an expert in transforming aging as we know it. At 77, she is a natural body fitness competitor, winning multiple gold and silver medals in bikini, swimsuit, and sports model categories in international competitions since 2017. Her academic degrees include two master's degrees and a doctorate, and she holds certificates as a personal trainer and health coach. She has been featured on the Aging and Awesome TV series and is a sought-after speaker for audiences wishing to improve their health and turn back time. She offers online programs and Aging Agelessly retreats in Panama and Costa Rica. I followed her on Instagram. That's how I discovered you and was impressed by her empowering content and the images from her amazing-looking retreats. Welcome to I Am My Passion Project, Maria. I am so glad to have the chance to talk to you about women aging amazingly and get some tips and tricks from you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I'm just going to hop in with the first question, which is, can you tell me a little bit about your history with health and fitness? I think my journey has been on and off with quick starts and stops, like many people. So knowing that I wanted to be in good shape, but not finding the time for it and procrastinating. And so my weight would go up and down and up and down. And I never got to that point where I felt I had it under control. Then the 50s come along and menopause, and then it gets really hard. And then you start looking around at all your friends when you're in your 60s and everybody's kind of in the same shape you're in. And you think it's probably not going to go, at least I thought this, very well, not going to go well in my 70s. So at 69, I thought, I have to find a better way. I just have to find a better way. Just can't be this much weight on my body and slowing down and feeling pretty pessimistic about the years ahead. So it just happened that my financial advisor, because I was closing down being 20 years as a college president. And so lots of boards, lots, lots of ends to tie up. I was with my financial advisor and he had seen me plump up over the years. And he said to me, I think you should see my trainer. And I wasn't even at all disturbed about that, except <laughs> that you weren't offended I, at all. I had tried everything. So I thought, well, okay. But the trainer was a, you know, very old school, had his own private gym, only worked one-on-one. -on -one, and that was, that was good for me because I would not have gone into a regular gym. So I remember the first day was head to toe, you know, baggy clothes, feeling that why not? Right. And so 
that was my journey from never being very athletic to today. I'm, I am athletic. I can do things I couldn't do 20 years ago. I'm strong today. I've made that shift that's very significant from where I was going to be. I was going to age in the stereotypical way. And there are those that break out of that stereotype. But generally speaking, we get we get heavier and we get slower. And then the docs say, all you have to do is walk. Maybe you should lose some weight. And that's all the help you get. So then it sort of slides down from there. And I didn't want that life for me. I wanted an energized life. So that's the beginning of my journey. Yeah, I feel like oftentimes the medical industry also tries to force pills on people. Oh, you're overweight, do this or have this surgery, take this pill. You have all of a sudden heart problems or high blood pressure, take this pill. And then you have the layering of all of these different pills with different side effects. And it's just a negative spiral down to really serious unhealthiness. That's absolutely the case. But that's how our docs are trained. They're trained to address illness, not to prevent it. They're not Mm -hmm. into preventative care. So they can't tell you what exercises you should be doing. They can't help you in your nutritional going forward. They can tell you you should lose weight. (laughs) They can tell you you should eat differently, perhaps. Mm -hmm. They get that far. But that probably is it. And that's just simply not enough. Yeah, it isn't. I just feel like there's such a breakdown in the system where our health and wellness is concerned. So it's good that you're able to take control of it yourself and make the decision to do that and find help for getting healthy and learning how to work out in ways that are good for your body. What inspired you to get into training other women and helping them? And what types of women do you usually work with? I usually work with women over 50. And what started me on that path was wanting to give women options. Okay, so we can make choices. And if you have the information, then you can decide whether or not you're going to utilize it or not. So I began making some presentations and having women come up to me and say, you know, can you help me? And well, then I was pursuing, after I was training for a couple of years, I started pursuing certifications in health coaching. And then what's also absolutely critical, of course, is what is the nutrition? So Mm -hmm. one without the other doesn't really do it. You really have to have that combination of best nutrition and best use of your muscles, best exercise practices. Yeah, I think that a lot of people choose one or the other. They think, oh, if I just run this amount of miles a week that I'll be fine and I can still eat all this junk food. Or if I just watch my diet, I will be thin when I get older and I'll still be healthy when there are different things that you have to consider. It seems like when you're aging, like right protein intake to and muscle mass that you're going to be losing and things like that. Absolutely. We like to think, well, I can eat the pizza and then run around the block and then it's all going to be equal up. It, it isn't. So no matter how much you're working out, if you're not putting the right nutrition in, you're not going to get the result. And then you're actually adding stress to your body, 
inflammation to your body by what you're consuming. And most of our food is processed food. It has lots of artificial ingredients, lots of sugar, all causing inflammation in our body. And inflammation is linked to every chronic disease, including mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. Yeah. And I, I think that it sounds like you're talking about the traditional American diet. Yes. <laughs> and I know that you've said, said the sad American diet. Yes. Yes. I don't know if you watched that sugar film. Did you watch that sugar film? That's about the sugar content in our food in the U.S. I think it's, I have seen that. Yes. It's, it's pretty atrocious. It's mm -hmm. and how sugar is just in everything. Yes. And many years ago, there was there were two different like competing studies. One was fat is bad for you, and the other one was sugar is bad for you. And something happened with you know the person who had the fat study ended up getting more money and more momentum under his study and backing and stuff. So the sugar lost out and everyone just got so super concerned about fat. So they took out so many fats from our diet. And they, I remember in the eighties, like fat free, low fat, blah, blah, blah. And then they were just replacing the, the umami in the foods with sugar. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. I do remember that because I was on the low fat, non-fat. Yeah. <laughs> Downward Most cycle. people were. And a lot of people still are. There's still so many foods labeled low fat. Right. And it's counterintuitive. It's it's going to make you fat and it's called low fat. And the sneaky ingredients in it are going to addict you, cause you to eat more food and, and be attacking your microbiome. There's a book called Feeding You Lies by Bonnie Hari. Mm -hmm. And what she exposes is what you were talking about, that the how are these studies funded? Right. Where does the funding come from to tilt a result so that then it can be marketed as healthy for us because of X study, which if you follow the money trail often goes exactly back to who's going to benefit best. Yeah. And it's not the consumers. Nope. No, I mean, I think that's pretty common with most things, just any kind of a study, you really have to look at who is supporting that, who's backing it, who's paying the money for that. I mean, even with smoking, with tobacco and stuff, like a lot of the merchandise that's geared to helping people reduce their smoking or quit smoking, they're like paid for by tobacco companies. It's a company that's owned by a tobacco company. So they're making money coming and going with your coming and your going, they're just, <laughs> I always think of tobacco as like, you basically sold your life over to the tobacco company if you're smoking, whatever it is you're smoking. No, absolutely. I won't go on about that. <laughs> I well, could because my mom was a smoker. Well, and cigarettes, they were marketed beautifully, that there was a Marlboro man, that was the man's man. And then get the female demographic, then we have Virginia Slims and every possible seductive commercial around utilizing something that was bad for us. And then there were the, the CEOs of the companies were testifying about, you know, there's, there's no harm until mm -hmm. they absolutely had to, you know, give in to the fact that a label is necessary now. And Silvana Hari in her book, said that same kind of label that is on cigarettes, injurious, uh -huh. hazardous to your health. Right. Well, in years to come, be on many of our foods. Yeah. On many of our boxes. Yeah. 
I've already seen some that say in the state of California, this ingredient is known to cause cancer on crackers. <laughs> like, why why would I buy crackers that has a warning label on them and put that into my body? Well, you would if you weren't reading the label. Yes. Because if you look at the outside of the package, they can say natural, they can say healthy, mm-hmm. sugar is natural. Okay. So you you can market it in such a slick way that it's so confusing to people. I was looking for a cracker the other day and aisle after aisle, I read every single one of the back packages and there's just nothing there. There is nothing there. They all had an ingredient or two, an oil that shouldn't be in there Mm -hmm. or some artificial ingredient that should not be there. And those boxes are flying off the shelves. Yep. Yeah, because I think a lot of people just don't want to know. They were, right. you know, a lot of people grew up with certain things in their pantry, in their kitchens, their mom gave them stuff. And I even remember watching the cereal commercials when I was a kid, where it would be like frosted sugar flakes or whatever. And they mm-hmm. would call it a delicious, or was it like a delicious part of your nutritious breakfast, <laughs> you know? So I think people hear nutritious and and they skip over the just, it's just the delicious part. It's just a sugar part right. in what is a, a healthy breakfast, which would be like the berries that you put on it, maybe the suggestion that they have on the box. It, yeah. It's effective. It's, it's effective advertising. Mm-hmm. Even today, it's effective advertising. Yeah, it's so frustrating. And because I ha- I don't know if you have kids, but I have a kid and well, he's an adult child now. He's 19, ready to go to college. But trying to raise him healthily was a challenge when he would go off to friends' houses or be invited to birthday parties or even go off with his nannies and stuff. We'd say, please try to keep him away from super sugary things because I just knew it was not good for him. And it's it's a struggle with the kids and pizza is so popular and the cookies. And it's just like, you know, that treat. People associate sugary things with a treat and they don't Ooh. necessarily think that it's a harmful thing. So I feel like if people could shift their thinking to other things could be treats, not just sugar. But sugar is so addictive. Yes. Yeah. And it, flour is addictive too. They call them the new cocaine and heroin. The, mm-hmm. That addictive, that much impact on the pleasure sensor of the brain is attracts you, addicts you, makes you want more. Either you spike, then you crash. Right. You spike and you crash. And the more spikes you have, the more glucose spikes you have. The research now is that you're going to age faster the more spikes that you have. And it's interesting too. I know we're we're kind of off topic. I had other questions for you, but I'm finding this conversation fascinating and I don't get to talk to other people about it that often that are experts in nutrition and fitness. So just please bear with me <laughs> while I go on a tangent. In my experience at, as a runner, I'm mostly a runner, but I also do cross training and I do 
some gym work and yoga and things like that. But I love watching competitive running and mostly I love watching ultra runners. And it's so surprising to me that even in a field like that, where, where I would think you would really want to take the best care of your body because you're asking so much of your body. I mean, these, these people are often running for days on end with little sleep. They're just running and bits and pieces are kind of falling off of them as they go and they're feeding themselves with like pans of Coke and these, you know, I don't eat these like little packets of goo and things like that. It's caffeine and sugar. That's basically what it is. That's what they're, they're giving their body because they say, oh, we just need to keep giving it something to fuel it. We need to give it some carbs. I'm just amazed. And I, I did hood to coast a couple of times and I just said, I am not eating that stuff. I'm not putting that stuff in my body because the other people that I saw doing that were getting stomach cramps and throwing up. And so I said, I'm just using whole foods. That's what I'm going to put in my body. So I just had my little nut and fruit bars and little carb things that are really simple where I knew what the ingredients were and not just not going crazy on the caffeine either. So I don't know what it is with what it's like in the weight training or weightlifting, if that's what the diet is like. No, it's, it's much different. It's much different. It's all about eating clean. You, that, that's the mantra, eating clean. So you're mm-hmm. eating real food, you're honoring protein, you're looking at the macros you know, and balancing your protein, your carbs, and your healthy fats. That's that's what that world is all about in terms of nutrition. Yeah, that sounds a lot better than just slam a Coke and go run 12 more miles. Okay, I'm going to move back to the questions because okay. uh, I have many. And I want to know all of the things. So um, some women are intimidated by strength training. They might think it will give them a physique that isn't feminine or that it will just add bulk to their frame or that they aren't capable of lifting heavy weights. But you say it should be mandatory for every woman over 40. Why is that? And what are the benefits? I say that it is mandatory for every woman over 40 because we, at that point in our, in our lifespan, we begin to lose our muscle mass and our bone density, but we can intervene with resistance training, with strength training. And so that's a number one reason, but the American Heart Association a couple of years ago endorsed strength training as a, a heart healthy activity. And so for your cardiovascular system, there is a physician who talks, uh, she calls herself the muscle-centric doc, and she is um, Gabrielle Lyons. And Gabrielle Lyons is saying that development of muscle is everything in terms of how long we're going to live, how much we're going to impact and protect our immune system, and the quality of life that we're going to have. Everything revolves she feels very dramatically around the muscle mass that we have. That's going to really indicate our level of health. But what you said about the bulkiness that we believe that will happen to us, that's a 
that's really a common view. And that was my view. And I thought I'm never going to lift a weight because then you get the Hulk muscles. You're going to look like a man. Well, that's just not true. We don't have testosterone enough to make that happen. So that's not going to happen to us. And it was my first fear. And that's the first thing I said to my trainer eight years ago. And he said, unless you're doing drugs and you've been lifting heavy for decades, you don't have to worry about that. So that is <laughs> not anything that, that you worry about. You get, you get sleeker, leaner, and everybody has a different kind of physiology and muscle development. And some people just get really, really sculpted in a slender way. Other people get a little bit more muscle development. That's just the way their bodies work. Mm-hmm. And the amount of weight that you are able to to pick up really depends on how long you've been training and what you're training for. So weightlifters, and there are still some women weightlifters, and there's there is a woman in her 80s, and she was able to lift, I think, 200 pounds over a year of training time. Hmm. She was able to do that, and she's in her 80s. So there isn't any limitation. When I was running regularly, I didn't really have muscle definition. Right. And then when I started to add weight training to that, and I'm not a heavy lifter. I live, I mean, oh. heavy for me, 15 pounds, 15 pound dumbbells. I'm good to go. And then I do some, uh, like kind of kickboxing moves with little five pounders. It's kind of a cardio and muscle workout at the same time. So my workout is more like cardio weight training. So I'm not doing like super heavy lifting, but when I started doing that, I really noticed the muscle definition. Also, when I had taken off the weight, I, then I was like, Oh, and some things are kind of starting to pop here and there. And so I, yeah, I mean, I, maybe that's just for me. No, that's the case. So just the cardio is not going to give you the muscle development. You just Mm -hmm. need that tension on your muscles. And that is what's going to give you the, the the muscle growth that you do not get just with cardio. You can burn more energy, more effectiveness in terms of your loss of weight, if that's what you want, doing resistance training as opposed to, do, if you have limited time especially, as opposed to cardio. So if I just have a few minutes, I'm going to go more to the um, strength training resistance mm. than I am to cardio, but you know, both are very good. Both are yeah. very good. Yeah. Cause I mean, cardio is good for your heart too. It seems like, yes, absolutely. Oh yes. <laughs> and I just love running. So it's not something that I would trade in to just do weights because it's worth it to me to make the time to take a half an hour to go for a run and then add the strength yes. training on top of that, just because I enjoy it. I know that running's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. I've been told by many friends that are like, I'm not going to go running with you. <laughs> no, but, but you hit the very good point. It's what you enjoy. And so what we have to find is that movement that we enjoy. And hopefully we'll add to that the strength training, because mm-hmm. even the most elite athletes put strength training, I only skiers or tennis players or or basketball players. And these are in, these are strength sports that they're in, but they always add the strength training, um, direct weight training to what they're doing in the sport that they're in. Yeah. Well, so my husband used to do CrossFit and he would often come home with 
wounds <laughs> with scrapes on different parts of himself and blisters and just be kind of broken from that because each time he reached a weight he was expected to go beyond that weight again it's like great you reached this weight now you have to do this and so now he does yoga and he's really enjoying the yoga because it's also bringing mindfulness into play so it's not just pumping and getting big and building muscle on muscle and and tearing the muscles and building on top of that it's more balance which is also important when you get older and strength training through body weight and relaxation and mindfulness which i think are really i like that package it seems like a good package what do you think about yoga no i love that package and i have a, a private lesson every week and i would like to add more to that when i can i think two or three times per week with yoga is excellent. I have a really uh, severe hearing loss. So it's good for me to be one-on-one -on -one with someone that's training me, especially with yoga. You, you, you want to be in the right form all the time, mm -hmm. but I, I believe that that is a perfect marriage to have yoga and strength training and cardio all together. I think that's, that's great. You have to find though, that movement that you are willing to participate in and you enjoy that you enjoy. Yeah. I think that that's definitely the key to exercising is finding that one thing that you, or more, I mean, I have a lot of <laughs> things that I enjoy, but finding at least one, right? Right. <laughs> at your age, why do you choose to enter I mean, are you still doing competitions? And if so, why have you chosen to enter competitions that are seem like they're designed for younger women? I never thought of it from the perspective of, oh, you're too old, right? I thought of it from the perspective of when are you at the peak level of health that you're in a competitive body? I thought of it that way. I compete naturally, which means all athletes are tested and it's a little bit more forgiving I believe, and some of the other federations that do not test, okay? So they're not looking for a teensy little ways. They're looking for healthy, well-proportioned bodies that look like you are walking your talk, right? So I never thought of it as I'm too old to do that. We limit ourselves as women when we think, oh, you're too old to do that. You're not going to try that. Well, that's a self-imposed limitation. That doesn't need to be there. What I found in the competitions was in the small natural competitions, they were not saying that anybody was too old. If you're willing to do that category, everything that's involved in that particular category, you can come in. Another reason was as a trainer, if I'm going to tell my clients, this is what you should be doing, I should be going a farther outside limit and extreme to where I'm expecting them to be. None of my clients want to compete. And it is very much a mind kind of issue because you've got to get past the feeling of any kind of, of self-doubt. You are there with the judges and there's kind of nothing in between you, right? And, then, and you're in an outfit that is pretty skimpy <laughs> and, and pretty fun though. So I felt... As long as I can be competitive, 
I'll continue to do it because it forces me to the highest level of my fitness journey because you cannot eat and drink anything you want. That's absolutely out of the question. So everybody that you're in this community with that is a competitor, they're all eating the same way. They're all drinking the same way, which is the no alcohol for sure. You know? mm. Not especially during your prep period, which can be anywhere from three to six months of preparation to get that top level of fitness. And when I am there just a week or two before a competition, I feel my body feels like it's at the best it's ever been. So that's why I do it. That sounds pretty amazing and inspiring. <laughs> and it's a girly girl sport. I mean, if you do not like makeup and the eyelashes and the hair done up and sparkly outfit and high heels, I like all of that. <laughs> Can you be a feminist and still do that, you think? That's a good question. And I guess it depends on your definition of feminism. Yeah. It's a feminine expression, certainly, mm -hmm. when you compete. And you are not objectifying yourself because you are getting to the point that you are there is a point of absolute adherence to a strict regime of a healthy lifestyle. And it seems like you're just trying to see it, what the possibilities are with your body, right? Like with your physique, like how close can you get it to like aesthetic perfection and like in internal health too? Like how close can you go to achieving that? And it seems like it's also a good goal to have. It's a, obviously a healthy goal to have is to just be really fit and healthy and train. And then it seems like it's also nice to have that accountability. You're not going to go off and binge drink or like go partying with your friends and stuff a week before you have to compete in this and throw that, throw that swimsuit on and, and your heels. So, yeah, you hit two really good points. The accountability point. And then how far can you go? Both of those. We cheat on ourselves if we don't have the goal, right? I do. And most of us do. Mm -hmm. And that is why in this country, we're unhealthy. Mayo Clinic says only 27% of American adults are actually in a healthy classification. 60% of Americans have at least one chronic disease. 50% of those have two or more chronic diseases. They are holding themselves accountable. And I have trouble holding my own self accountable. Mm -hmm. But if I'm training, that's accountability because you are going to show up for those sessions. And then if you stack on top of that competition, now you're taking that to an even higher level. Not only are you going to make those three sessions, you're going to be working out in between and you're going to be watching very carefully what you are eating. And then the other point you made about how far can your body go? And that's fascinating mm -hmm. because when I see some of my clients and they're they start here and then the body just makes this depending on what they do <laughs> but their bodies can make such a rapid change in terms of how strong they are in terms of how flexible they are it's just amazing our bodies want to move our bodies have the capacity of moving and we just we stomp them so I looked at a picture of myself four years ago and I thought oh I am really doing good four years ago <laughs> I can't get any better than this. This is just great. And I look at myself today and I think I wasn't that good then because I'm so much better now. 
So hmm. it's four years later, I'm 77, but I'm better than I was four years ago. So I figure if I keep this up, <laughs> my, my, so I have goals. So I wanted to do a headstand, never done a, a headstand ever. So three, four years ago, I did a headstand. And then um, two years ago, I got a shoulder stand, the yoga shoulder stands. And now I love doing that. So I'm upside down. But what has always frightened me is a handstand. So that mm-hmm. is my goal for the end of this year. I have now to the end of this year and I want a handstand. That's my goal. Oh, I love that goal. Yeah, I was trying for a handstand for a while too. I, I can do a headstand. The handstand is scary for me. So I also, I have scoliosis. So I, I'm very asymmetrical. So I have to pay a lot of attention with balancing things like that, where I'm upside down. I'm fine balancing right side up, but you turn me upside down and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then one of my other goals was the splits. I'm stronger than I am flexible. And that's always kind of been a detriment to me when it comes to doing stuff like that. I still try though. I still try. I'm like, oh, I got, you know, four more inches to go. Well, and that's what I love about yoga because it really increases the flexibility and yoga really helps you with balance. And that's what I work with all my ladies on because as we age, we tend to tilt forward. You know, mm-hmm. the other, we get, we tilt forward. We sort of hunch over and um, yoga and strength training really help your posture and they help your balance because you're strengthening your core. And so now these balance exercises become easier And then, of course, in yoga, it's all about your body weight that you're Mm -hmm. working with. Yeah, I really like yoga. I did a yoga retreat recently in Portugal. (laughs) I would like to have known about that. That sounds fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It was called uh, Women Wild and Free, something like that. It was in the south of Portugal in a little town close to Faro. Oh, I just, I didn't know how cold it was going to be when I scheduled this trip in January. And Mm -hmm. so the yoga was on a rooftop in the morning as the sun came up (laughs) and it was about 50 degrees. So I basically did it once on the rooftop, long sleeve, wool shirt, with um a coat over the top zipped up with my leggings and the whole kit and caboodle and nobody wants to do yoga like that nobody wants to wear a coat while doing yoga so i finished the rest of the trip off doing yoga in their meditation room which was lovely but i just did it by myself watching a youtube video so that was kind of disappointing but i would love to do a yoga retreat again just in the summertime in some place lovely like costa rica <laughs> maybe you'll do one of those well i just finished costa rica i did uh, aging aislessly in costa rica i did bring in a yoga instructor so there was yoga sessions and then i did the strength training sessions without equipment because you can use your body weight and then we had fabulous excursions. So my next one is coming to be in February of next year in Panama. And it's going to be amazing. And Panama is where you are from originally. originally yes. My family. Yep. Yeah. That sounds very exciting. I've never been to Panama. Oh, you have to come. You have a program called Age Well 
ageless life. Can you tell me about it? So really that is taking women through a six month journey, three to six months journey on how do we reframe our whole concept of aging? How we want to age? What causes us to age the way we do? So there's that component of how do you address aging as we go forward? And and a lot of us stop ourselves early and think we're getting old at 50 or 60. And we have to change that mentality, but you can't just change it like that. So a portion of my program is about our mindset about aging and how we shift that going forward. Then the next component, of course, is nutrition, because we can't age in the way that we want to if we're not really concentrating on our nutrition. And then the final component is that of movement. How do we want to move in order to age backwards? And you actually can. You can age backwards. It's possible. How does that work? (laughs) (laughs) and then do we become little babies again (laughs) well okay so but by that i mean i was starting my 70s and now i'm better than i was 20 years ago i'm stronger than i was 20 years ago and if you look at my pictures from 15 years ago i look younger today than then and a lot of it is weight Okay, so Mm. the more weight you put on your body, then the older that you look, the slower that you go, and all the other things start to address the issues of extra weight as well. Those are the three components of a program that have worked for me that I like sharing with women who want to reframe this thinking about we're over 60, we can't wear our heels, or the stereotypical view and, and media does a lot to perpetuate how bad it is. You know, it's going to be bad. And women start thinking it's bad at 50 and yeah. really fearing what the future is going to be. So I'm about, let's just throw that out and not fear if we put the right steps in place. And there are so many incredible geneticists that are talking about just this thing. How do we reverse the standard pattern of aging? And it all comes back to a lot about nutrition, a lot about mindset, and a lot about movement. I know a lot of folks are tired of trying to keep up with all of the diet fads, but that you can't be fit and healthy without managing what you eat. So what are three easy things that women can do with their diet to achieve and maintain wellness? I would say the first thing is eat real food, okay? So if it comes out of a box, watch out (laughs) and please read the ingredients. So eat real food. You've just got a a massive amount of choices in terms of fruits and vegetables and eggs and meat. It's huge. Okay. So eat real food. The second would be watch your portions, because even if you're eating real food, if you're eating a huge amount of real food, you're still overdoing what your body should be having to process. The third is watching that, the digestive process and not overworking it. So I really am a a big fan of a minimum of a 12-hour rest for your digestive system so it can detox and have a rest for 12 hours. Now, intermittent fasting, the goal is up to 16 hours. That's a big stretch. That's a big stretch. And sometimes I can get 
close to that, but usually that's really tough. And then you have to listen to your body. So how is your body going to react to this? Most bodies, I think, can do 12 hours. Some can do a little bit more than that. And according to the geneticist that talks about intermittent fasting as a real benefit to how you're going to age and how long you're going to live, that process in between, and it's your health span matching up to your lifespan. And this is Dr. David Sinclair. He's a strong proponent of intermittent fasting up to 16 hours. So not, and he does it. And sometimes he'll do a whole day. He has trained his body over time in order to be able to do that. I try that. I get headaches. I say, okay, that's enough. <laughs> My body is saying you can do 12 or 13 or 14, but you know, you're probably not going to be able to do 16 hours. So I listen to my body, but everyone should be able to do at least 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. So those are my three tips. Eat real food, watch your portions, and watch how much time between the first bite and the last bite. So the eating real food makes me think about my son and his friends. And so they have called our kitchen, like the hippie kitchen, and <laughs> also call it the ingredient kitchen. And I are you familiar with that term, the ingredient kitchen? I guess that there's the ingredient kitchen and then there's the like pre-made kitchen. So, you know, the kids just walk in there and they open up a packet of whatever and eat it. But ours has always just been, you can make yourself a sandwich. <laughs> you can crack open some peanut butter or cook yourself some eggs because we have all of the makings for it. And I think a lot of people don't take the time to prepare their food that they, they think that it's easier to just crack open some package of something and eat that when it really doesn't take that long. I mean, my husband and I eat salads every single day for lunch. And so it has everything we need in it. And right. we eat a kale salad. So what we do is we buy the kale, wash the kale, chop it all up with carrots. So we just put that all in a bag and we like shake it up. And then we put cucumber and radishes. We cut that up every day and put that in there. And then we, I use tuna because I'm a tuna girl. I freaking love tuna. And he'll use some sort of like turkey or cooked chicken, something like that. So you get the protein on there, put some oil on there. I just use olive oil and balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper, and I'm good Great. to go. I'm like, it's Great. not hard. No, it's not hard. And it's delicious. And you can have it with like some, a side of toast or something, if you want that. And then it, for the mornings I have muesli, I make my own muesli. So oats, nuts, you know, some goji berries, some chia seeds, and it's three tablespoons. It doesn't sound like that much, but it's three tablespoons. I put protein powder on it and I use alternative milk. I just use macadamia milk because that's what I like. Mm -hmm. um, blueberries. And I, it gives me plenty of energy till lunchtime. Good. I'm good. I'm good. And, you know. In the habit though, you're in the habit of, of, watching what's going into your body. But most people want the convenience. That's why our fast foods, you know, are booming. And we, we've even exported them to places like China that has like a five, five level 
Big Mac is <laughs> selling them and they're getting all the diseases that we're getting now too. So we, we've imported what we do with fast food, but that is a habit as well, the grab and go. But, you know, there's still, and I work on this with my, my clients because I say, you know, it doesn't take that long. This is all you have to do. But they're so into a pattern of how they're going to eat and they want to eat that way. It's often difficult to break out of that. But for those that absolutely cannot prepare anything, I, I, I say to them, okay, you can get, there's some real food now that you can get in packages. There's something called Ice Age, and it's all over the mm -hmm. country. And Ice Age gives you your macro ratio. So it tells you what percentage of protein you have and what percentage of, of carbs and, and healthy fats. So you have mm -hmm. all of that information and it's all natural ingredients. You can read everything that's there and everything is a real ingredient. So if you can't break out of making it yourself, which is cheaper and just as delicious, that's another way to go. That's that's how I try to move my clients from addiction to fast food or no food. And so mm. here's the other problem. We can either eat too much or we can eat too little. Okay. So you have the slim people that are eating too little. Okay. So that's the skinny fat people. So what they're not doing is putting enough of those macros into their body to support their level of activity and their weight and height. Right. So it's a balance that you have to find in terms of how much you eat. Most, I think, of us could probably do 12 to 15 calories. But what is the, you know, the RDA is what, 2,200 calories, which is a lot. That's a lot of calories, especially if you're going to be sedentary. Oh, terrible. Or maybe you're just going, taking a walk for the day and you think that that's enough exercise. It won't be. <laughs> yeah. I know you've facilitated many retreats. Do you have any coming up and where are they and how can we be part of them? Well, my next one is coming up and I just have very, very small retreats. This is an elite retreat, aging agelessly in Panama. And so we'll fly into Panama City and one of the highlights of the trip will be a private jet to the San Blas Islands, Isan San Blas where the water is crystal blue, white sands, and there's hundreds of these little islands. And we'll be in our own little catamaran going around to the islands. We'll also have a lot of information about aging and wellness. And we'll have some yoga. We'll have absolutely some really good exercises that all the ladies can do on their own when they return. How can folks connect with you and learn more from you about nutrition and exercise? Okay, I think the best way would be my website. It's drmariachristina.com. There you can go on the videos. I have videos on how to start strength training, uh, just warm-up exercises, just where to begin. So that's one place. You can book a call with me on my website. It has all the other connections to my socials. So I have Flourish with Age and LinkedIn and my Instagram. So you would just click there if you want to join the other socials or click on and just sort of browse through the exercises. And if you have some questions, just book a call. That sounds great. Thank you so much for being on I Am My Passion Project. 
This has been so lovely to have you here and I hope that we get to stay in touch and maybe I can come on one of your retreats sometime yep. soon. <laughs> that fabulous. Thank you so much for the invitation. I've enjoyed it. Yes, me too. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Am My Passion Project. New episodes drop every Friday. If you enjoyed this content, please consider sharing with a friend or two or more or leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I hope you're able to move through your week, speaking your own truth and embracing your badass self. I am a passion project.